Hello. Hey, friends. Hello. How's it going? Oh. How's everybody doing? In the middle of this Black History Month. Mm. <laughs> We're about to close it out now. Mm. About to be over. Mm-mm-mm. It's Tensile Town Tea, y'all. Another yes, it is. Episode. We are on our 60-some episode, y'all. Can yes. Y'all Crazy. And uh, we are continuing to go strong with our reviews of Black movies. That's right. Um, whether it's starring Black actors or written, directed, all the behind-the-scenes teams by Black creatives, mm-hmm. we are reviewing them for this month. That's right. We have a very good review for you guys today. Get ready for that. You oh, yes. Seeing the title, you already know what it is. So I mean. Ready. No, it's going to be hit in Okur. And yeah, so uh, what we do here is we are two Black female screenwriters who um, basically talk about the industry, talk about screenwriting. And the show is structured with different segments. So we have Would You Rather first, just to break a little ice. Mm -hmm. Then we go into our Know Better, Do Better, which is where we give tips, tricks, lessons learned. Um, Then we talk about the news, preferably, no, only black and brown news, mostly black folks news um, in the entertainment industry because hello, why not? Period. And then we have a main segment, could be an interview with another creative, mostly black creatives, um, a review, which we're going to do today, a script read, or obviously something educational, giving you guys resources and things like that. And then our last segment is our Niggas You Should Know segment, where we highlight black in the industry that you need to know and if you don't know them you gonna find the fuck out today okay period and yeah we're gonna have our would you rather and judith is gonna start that off for you guys yes 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 so our would the would you rather this week i tried to stick on theme with the movie and of course we're gonna reveal that a little bit later but would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power Hmm. And I thought this was, I got this right off the internet, guys. I did not come up with this. So, um, mm-hmm. what do you mean by unlimited power? Like, I can do different things like magical, super magical powers. Ooh, or- I didn't think of it as magical powers, which is a great way of thinking of it. I was thinking more like, since it's like respect versus power, like, hmm. Being able to have authority over any and everything, like a- area you want to have authority over. Um, I'm gonna always pick respect over mm. power. Respect mm. goes a lot further than power, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can have power and people don't respect you. They just obey because you have power. But I'm always choose respect over everything for sure. Mm. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. I also think you can do more, even though, like you said, you have power, but like if you have respect, I think you can like do more. It, it might give you more access. Mm. I think people think, oh, if you have the power, you just ask. But if you like, if you have universal respect, like people can give you access to things that you're not even asking, but like they just bless you because it's like, oh, I respect yeah. you and I listen to you. So it's like... Mm, yeah i agree with you you know universal respect agree because mm-hmm. respect is going to give you power in the end if you think about it right they respect you they're going to give you power freely you don't have to ask for it or you don't have to to, to demand it so mm-hmm. always choose the respect friends please do 
So next is our No Better Do Better. And I probably already did this one, but who knows? We've done a thousand episodes, it seems. Um, <laughs> or I probably already talked about this, but whatever. You guys can use a refresher. Don't watch things that are similar to what you're trying to write. So mm. I heard Issa Rae say this, and she made a very valid point. So if you're, if you have this idea, obviously a lot of things have been made over the last century or so. Um, so while I'm not saying that you guys don't have original ideas, your idea probably has been done in some way, shape or form before. Not like you gonna do it though, cause you're Come unique, on. but it probably has been done some way before. Um, so if you draw, if you have an idea and you're trying to like write it out and like make it your own, you're drawing inspiration from something, it may not be wise to like watch that or like uh, consume that while you're trying to create your own because you could subconsciously start putting pieces of that work into your work mm-hmm. without knowing it. So I remember Easter was saying like she wanted to do like a Black Baldwin Hills 90210 show type situation. And she, while she was writing it, she didn't want to watch Euphoria or any of those other like super popular high school shows because she didn't want to subconsciously put elements of that into her own thing because she wanted it to be specific to her, unique to her. So I think that's good advice. Um, While it is great to draw inspiration from things, Mm -hmm. while you're actually sitting down to write it, it is best to possibly stay away from consuming too much of something else that's similar subject matter. So you're not like low-key copying it without you even knowing because you're just you're just trying to write it and you're thinking about you know elements of the other one just just don't do it or try not to do it Um, but if you can if you have such a discernment where you like I can keep everything compartmentalized good to you do what you want to do then I'm scared of you Mm -hmm. but for people like me I know myself I can um subconsciously do stuff like that too so yeah just words for wise that's why nowhere do better for the day (laughs) I think that was perfectly said with that um yeah i'm gonna move on to the news because i mean there's nothing else i mean add to that point blank period period okay period (laughs) all right y'all so let's get into this news right quick all right so as you guys already know, we highlight mostly black and brown news and we get all of our news sources from Shadow and Act. If you're not sure what that is, that is an online publication that focuses on the entertainment industry, but mostly on black and brown entertainment. So we get all of all of our articles from there and we read them straight from there um, yeah. and make sure you stay up on top of your industry, you know, uh, articles and all the news, like stay on top of it. Thanks. Right. So this kind of goes into uh, a little bit of our series that we're doing for Black History Month, where we review different movies uh, throughout the month, Black movies. Um, If you didn't catch our last episode, we reviewed Malcolm and Marie. And like a lot of you, it kind of was controversial. Some people really liked it. Um, Like we we had some issues with the movie. Um, And you know, Zendaya is clarifying some things that she felt like she received from the criticism. So this headline reads, Zendaya feels her, quote, agency was stripped away, unquote, in criticism of Malcolm and Marie's script, right? 
So uh, Zendaya is responding to some specific criticism to the movie Malcolm and Vary in regards to the writing from director Sam Levinson. Remember, Sam Levinson is uh, who she worked with on Euphoria. So some critics of the film script have said that they believe Levinson was taking out grievances in the film's writing through Black characters. And I think we had a, a, a similar critique to that, too. It kind of felt like the characters weren't really... I mean, maybe they were black characters through a white lens. It, it felt really, it felt off to us. Um, so Zendaya, Zendaya, excuse me, I was saying her name right the whole time. Zendaya says that some of the criticism makes it seem like she and Washington, who were producers on the film, didn't have any input. So this is a quote from her, and this is from the um, an interview in the New York Times. What's interesting is I think a little bit of our agency was stripped away. Like this was just the kind of Sam spewing things through us without realizing that we are not only actors in this, but we're co-financiers co and producers with PGA marks. Uh, you can't get those unless you actually do the job, she says. Uh, she goes on to say, I think it's also, uh, excuse me, I think it also oddly mirrors a bit, a little bit of Marie's plight, right? Um, it's like Marie saying the whole movie um, is also mine we're talking about malcolm's film but actually in real life we do have the credit this is ours john david and i and sam equally own this film it's not like it belongs to someone else and i just got cast in it he wrote it for us too and i think if you're going to write something you have to acknowledge the experiences of the black character you're writing i thought a lot of conversations i had with sam came through that's interesting so Apparently from what Zendaya was saying is basically like she was a part of this film. It wasn't just, you know, a critique on Sam um, just writing it and her not having any input, her and uh, John David um, Washington. So I, I think that's an interesting statement. I mean, I mean, for me, um, okay. I mean, if, if you are equally, you know, ownership of it, I think it was not good, sis. Like, it was like I don't look. I love you a long time. I love you a long time, but you we all know you're not making no soupy macaroni and cheese in this house, sis. Like my <laughs> my y'all see my face while she's reading that statement. Love some day. She's like the golden child right she's now. Perfect. But, but the issue with that is we did address that it felt off kilter yeah um and then i also remember i did address in the episode how sam addressed those criticisms as well right how he had black writing partners mm -hmm. who you know would have spoken up if they yeah. it wasn't authentic and then he did say that everything was ran by uh john zendaya which right. we mentioned mm -hmm. in yeah but still the issue is he still got sole writing credit so that part. you can't expect Zendaya herself, she can't expect the general public to be like, mm, you know, because y'all didn't get yeah, writing credit. How that's true. How are we supposed to know? The yeah. man who got sole writing credit, whether he mm -hmm. had black folks helping him mind the scene or not, mm -hmm. they didn't get credit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a very fair writing. point. So he was solely credited as the only writer. Yeah. And that's what people are looking at. And that's what people are like, this white man writing for black folks. So I get what she's saying, but in a way, like, why it's just she feels like she's got triggered 
yeah it was like she got triggered and um she felt like she wanted to say something but anybody saying that sis the Mm -hmm. the the criticism is more towards him Mm -hmm. i think um and yeah i mean it was just yeah like like you said I mean mm-hmm. you ain't like it like something ain't like it like shit what you want us to do what yeah you want us to do? <laughs> what you want us to do like what do you really want me to do you want me to laugh <sighs> or what yeah but um yeah so I could see where she was coming from but mm-hmm. also like the man got soul writing credit there yeah. was no you know there was no other names <laughs> yeah and directed by Sam Levinson Levinson whatever his name is yeah Sam that's, that is what everyone saw mm-hmm. so you can't be saying like oh I felt like my agency was stripped like girl mm-hmm. this is what we saw this yeah. is this is the name that we saw we didn't see your name up there yeah I didn't see, yeah. so see John Davids I didn't see <laughs> D and Z or whoever he said was helping him the two black folks that was helping him I didn't yeah. see D and Z name up there mm-hmm. I don't see that man name so yeah that's a really great point. But also, I mean, okay, we'll, okay, we'll go with her, right? Where she, let's go mm-hmm. with her side where she said, okay, I gave input, I put it in there. But even if you put like, if it didn't come across, it didn't come across, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. it, that's that's the, the, the whole point of it. And that's why a lot of people, and like to your point, if it didn't come across and he is a white director and a white writer writing black characters, like it's going to be critiqued harder. It just is because of the yeah. history of Hollywood <laughs> only allowing white writers to write any kind of character. Exactly. So- exactly like, like, you had like, like no. we're coming for you like and also this movie was released on black history month exactly like all it's, we're, all we're it, is it's heightened yeah niggas and written and directed by a white man that's all we saw mm-hmm. okay we see the behind the scenes we know we know y'all did all that okay mm-hmm. all we seen is that and it's like girl yeah, I mean, you know that we know how mm-hmm. the industry be, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know that we know <laughs> Hollywood has a long history of having full white writers' rooms, uh, trying to write for black characters. So if mm-hmm. somebody got something to say, you gonna have to swallow that, sis. Like, yeah. you just have to swallow it. Yeah, because I don't know, like, yeah, and I, like, I, mean... I wouldn't even take credit for that. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even I mean... be so yeah. pressed to be like. This was this was all I was a part of this too, you know. Like yeah. I wouldn't even be pressed. Yeah, it was saying, child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was saying, let him fall right on that song. Yeah, he did that. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy, but yeah, it was Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, writing credit, he's gonna get all the heat, you know. Yeah, and and honestly, I mean, I feel like they dropped the ball on that. Like, if if they helped him write it, they should have got credit for it. I mean, that's just point blank period and i'm actually looking forward to a you know director credit or writing credit from zadea because i think i mean i could be wrong you know you helped out the input and everything with the characters i think if you put that pen to paper this would have turned out a bit differently and i'm looking forward to that project (laughs) I want I I want the project where you are credited as the writer and the director and you're working with um 
you know, John David Washington, because this, you know, she, she has a fledgling, fledgling career in front of her. The Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is not everyone's going to hit, you know, and this, I don't think represents the best of her work. And I think her best is yet to come. She's so young, even with the, you know, the euphoria win, like the best is yet to come from her and John David, but this wasn't it. And it was not, it it just was not like, this was not, this was not it. And that's just, <laughs> that's just how I feel about it. And that's okay because this was at the top of Netflix for like two, three, four, five weeks. Like this is by all means still a success. Exactly. People are watching it. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Because they, they think they're going to see Euphoria in black and white. That's why they're watching it. And so. that's exactly what they got. <laughs> that's exactly what they got. And that, that's why yeah. we're like, what? like like mm-hmm. all the little euphoria little kids go watch it because they think oh my god like euphoria in black and white with Denzel Washington's son like that's what they that's what they think yeah that's why they watched it but Sis is used to hitting so yeah. if she's not hitting all the way yeah I think she's got triggered so yeah like, let me say something but yeah child yeah. it's okay yeah it's okay <laughs> this was not you it though so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> spider-man about to drop what in two days exactly. girl and you still got that black and white malcolm and marie netflix check because exactly <laughs> like, your checks are coming for you to snatch so just chill yeah it's fine <laughs> yeah this wasn't it but i'm glad you got that uh producer credit sis um <laughs> moving right along <laughs> Um, another one of uh, the illustrious uh, queens out here just dominating and making an empire. Uh, Birth of Cool Black High School Dramedy set at BET Plus from Marco and Lena Waithe's Hillman grad. So um, big congratulations to Lena Waithe, who is my God, just building an empire every a second. Queen of queens. I mean, I know she talk about being productive in the pandemic, yeah. Woo. Um, so BET Networks has announced the production of Birth of Cool, a new series that they've set at BET Plus. The series in, is in partnership with Marco Television Studios and Lena Waves Hillman Grab Productions. Uh, this will be Waits' third BET Network project following Boomerang and 20. Uh, excuse me, 20s. Let me put that plural now. Uh, the series was created by Jewel Taylor, who wrote Cree 2 and is the director of Netflix's upcoming They Clone Tyrone and writer Tony uh, Rettenwain. I'm like, okay, I'm looking out for that Netflix uh, movie, They Clone Tyrone. Okay. They cloned Tyrone. Tyrone. That sounds interesting. They better call Tyrone. Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> never because you're not even the right tyrone because the tyrone was cloned and we need to find out why why would you clone tyrone (laughs) Tyrone, please stand what um okay so here's the description of the series um so this is centers around christmas atticus high a predominantly black high school in compton the half hour dramedy follows the adventures and misadventures of both students and teachers on campus and off as they try to make it through the weird hilarious stressful even sobering sometimes surreal school year while growing a bit in the process so uh you know bt plus continues to be the home 
for uh, best in class creatives to tell their original stories. This is coming from Devin Griffin, executive president, excuse me, executive vice president and general manager. Okay, come on, title uh, of BET Plus. Um, if we look through, um, so Marco um, uh, Television Studios is um, headed by Charles D. King. If you guys don't know him, uh, he's an influential producer out here in these um, LA streets, entertainment streets, sure. Um, so yeah, so other partners include uh, Fernandez, um, Lena Waithe, uh, Risha Rajani, uh, Taylor, uh, Rittenmayer, who we said at the top, Aaliyah Williams, and David Morris, and they're serving all as executive producers. So excited to see this come through to fruition. We need more coming of age stories, uh, especially with uh, the Black Chiran. We need to see ourselves. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Well done, Lena Wave. Continue. Um, call us. We're happy to come to the writer's room. Okay. Now, next, um, Eve. Yes, that Eve, hey. the rapper Eve. She plats plots her return to scripted TV in Queens, an ABC hip hop drama pilot well come on so according to this article written by monique jones after leaving the panel of daytime talk show the talk eve is plotting to return to scripted television with the abc pilot queens it would be the first time she's had a major role on television since her self-titled upn sitcom <laughs> eve according to deadline it was so good. Um, according to Deadline, the pilot is written by Zahir McGee and tells the story of four estranged women who reunite in an effort to recapture their fame as 90s hip hop group Nasty Bitches. McGee. <laughs> yes. That's right. Uh, McGee and Sabrina Wynn will executive produce along with ABC Signature. Um, Eve will play Brianna, who rose to fame as Nasty Bitches member. Professor Sex. Uh, years later, Brianna is now wife and mother to five children. Mm -hmm. Brianna must now figure out if she still has the charisma she had at the height of her career. So I'm excited to see Eve come back. Um, she's expected to record her own songs as her character, meaning that the pilot could sway a lot to the Empire and star fans who are still looking for the next musical drama. I'm excited for this. Um, McGee, who is known for his extensive work on Shondaland shows as Scandal for the People of Private Practice. So it's going to be one of those. <laughs> okay. Um, he's under an ABC deal where he developed uh, Harlem's Kitchen starring Shirley Ralph last pilot season, um, but it does it didn't go to series. Okay. Other projects he has in development include uh, Smoke Land uh, for, uh, for Carrie and Yara Shahidi. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I stand. I loved Eve. Mm -hmm. Okay. I freaking loved Eve. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I like the premise. I like that uh, it's uh, has a, a writer attached who comes from Shondaland because that bitch knows how to write a drama. Mm -hmm. And child, <laughs> woo, I cannot wait for them cliffhangers, honey. Yes, <laughs> and it seems very fleshed out, the world, yes. like a whole world they created. So mm -hmm. I stand, baby. I'm here for it. I'm going to watch. I'm here for it. 
Let's do it. Ooh, that girl. Hey, hey. Come on, Eve. Looking like she's she looks like she's 19 years old still to this I know. day. I know. I'm I'm like, <laughs> like cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um <laughs> So next in the news, um, Lakeith Stanfield says that he got a therapist after feeling, filming, excuse me, Judas and the Messiah. Woo. So yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And I can see if you watch the movie, you can see why he needed that therapy. I'm, I'm gonna need, um, you know, probably talk to my therapist about this movie after this week. Um, yeah yeah because it was deep it was very deep um so back to this news so lakeith um is uh earning rave reviews for his performance as william o'neill the fbi informant who um infiltrated the black panther party in judas and the messiah um however the dark nature of the role in the film took a heavy toll on the actor so in an interview with Level, uh, Stanfield revealed that he got a therapist just in time for the delayed release of Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, Stanfield's point pointed to a cut scene in the film where O'Neill had to poison Black Panther party leader Fred Hampton as the source of the stress. So here he was kind of detailing basically what happened in the scene and you know, what was going on for him. So I'm going to do halfway in the quote. Um, it felt like Daniel, who I just respect as a human and an artist, as Fred Hampton, it felt like I was actually poisoning, poisoning Chairman Fred Hampton. Um, Stanfield went on to further talk about the emotional toll of playing O'Neill, detailing his experiences of having panic attacks. Um, this is him again. So sometimes my body thinks that's real. Everything you're putting it through, he explained. It's no wonder that I've been feeling so stressed out and having panic attacks. I realized going forward before I step into something like that again, maybe have a therapist. So child, even when you're not stepping into that, just walking around breathing. Um, he continued, I found this really cool therapist. It's great. He, it's great and perfect for me right now. Hopefully it continues to be the case. It's helped me a lot. After doing press yesterday, I had another session and it was amazing. It helps you unlock things about yourself. It's not even necessarily about the person that you're going to therapy with, but like you said, perspectives and strategies and tools that you didn't have access to before so yeah first of all I'm glad that he's talking about this um and also um I've heard of this happening to a lot of actors because sometimes we forget it's not like they're pretending to be somebody when you're acting you are physically supposed to be embodying them like you are them just on camera so if they're doing their job right, they are feeling and acting those emotions of, of the characters. And a lot of times, like he said, your body, you, you're out of that character, but your body is still feeling that. Um, so I'm so glad he talked about that. And also it's, it's not uncommon. I know Ava DuVernay had like counselors and specialists when she was doing When They See Us for people who had to, anyone on set who needed it quite frankly because it was heavy but you know I can imagine actors embodying what these people live through and that's their job their job is to embody these characters how it could be difficult and you would need you know extra support to process through that so um I'm glad Lakeith um 
shared on that and um, whew, um i would have had to go to a darn uh mental health retreat okay for like uh, two, three months after that because very dark subject matter okay and, i would i'm i don't know can i bring my therapist on set i know it's just a script read can right? we just please Queen theme, can i please have <laughs> some time to breathe <laughs> I need breath work. Okay. Ah. No. Oof. Yeah. No. Bless their hearts. Yes. Well done doing the Lord's work. Um, and last in our news, um, stop dad, stop embarrassing me. First look, Jamie Foxx returns to television and Netflix sister sitcom from the Martin showrunner. I'm like, mm-hmm, it's gonna be funny. So um this I'm sure. This, I'm sure. Oh, I love it. Trey Magnum, who wrote this article, let us know that Netflix has dropped the first look images of Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, the upcoming sitcom starring Jamie Foxx in his biggest television role in years. Bentley Kyle Evans, a former showrunner on Martin who co-created the Jamie Foxx show. So they go they go back. Oh, back, honey. Um, mm. He is the showrunner and executive producer of the series along with uh jamie fox uh the series is inspired by fox's relationship with his daughter corinne fox who will be a producer alongside with alex avant kevin whittingham is the director of all the episodes so one director one episode um so here's the description Brian Dixon, played by Jamie Foxx, is a successful business owner and bachelor, just unexpectedly became a full-time father to his teenage daughter Sasha, who's played by uh Kayla. Kayla Drew, Lord help me, determined to turn over a new leaf, Brian's going to need all the help he can get from his dad, David Allen Greer, and sister Portia Coleman, and Sasha's going to need all the help she can get learning how to fit into her new loving imperfect home. So the series also stars, of course, David Allen Greer, Portia Coleman, Jonathan Kite, um, Heather Hems, and Valentine Rodriguez will reoccur. So this looks really cute. Um, if you guys go to the article on Shadow and Act, you will see like pictures that they have from like the onset shooting. It definitely gives me like throwback sitcom, you know what I mean? Like Mm-hmm. instantly like this is a traditional sitcom comedy where it's like a multi-cam it feels like they had a live audience like so yeah I actually I think I'm looking forward to this my hope is there was um what was that show Marlon Marlon had a show and I was just not a fan of it so I'm hoping that you know the jokes are elevated I mean Jamie Foxx is a comedian um we yeah, and I, he's a comedian. First. He is a comedian first, you know. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm still gonna watch it. Like, yeah, I mean, I am excited. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Jamie Foxx in the TV show. He's been away from TV. Yeah, he's I a think, movie star. Okay? Yes, that's true. But he hosts this the thing oh, on yeah, Shazam. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't done like sitcom work. Nope. Ever because this nigga is in movies. Okay, he is Truly. a man in movies. Yep. So yep. This is exciting to see him do yes. sitcom stuff. So yeah, yes. my hope it is is not that it's like I hope it's not lame. Yes. I hope, but I'm not gonna put that negative juju on it. Mm-mm. We have Martin showrunner. What? We that have, is amazing. Also works on Jamie Foxx show, so I have complete faith in this team 
to give us something that's gonna make me laugh. And Jim Fox is funny. Like he started his Super career funny. before he transitioned over into more serious roles. <laughs> so yeah. I stand and yeah. um yeah, y'all better run that up on Netflix when it comes out. Yes, please. Exciting. Do. Yeah. I okay. am super excited. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and get into the main segment, our review of Judas and the Black Messiah. Ooh. Hello, hello, uh-huh. hello. We are back to our main segment. That's right. Review of the critically acclaimed, as it should be, film Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. which is, if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO Max um they don't do free trials anymore y'all so i had to actually pay this time oh my gosh i have had four different free trials of hbo max (laughs) with four different emails they must have caught on to my bullshit and then (laughs) but you know what it's an investment you gonna need when insecure come through Mm. it is and i have other shit that i want to watch on there anyway so whatever hbo you got my money but it's okay (laughs) i'm still gonna watch other stuff so <laughs> anyway, it's not HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's the only way that you can watch it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They said that it's in theaters, but I don't know. I don't know where it said the I don't know what the theater but is anymore. Drive in theaters, I think that you can watch it in LA. There you go. That I do know of. But other than that, don't mm-hmm. go to theaters. Don't, don't inside what? Um <laughs> just HBO Max at friends. But anyways, mm-hmm. Juice and the Black Messiah. Don't know what it is. It is a uh a recollection of the one of the most complex layered and very dark uh stories of our history of Facts. black folks in Facts. um yeah so it's the story of william o'neill and fred hampton you guys know fred hampton please do your research um you gonna know after this movie but he was the chairman of the chicago branch of black panther party and then later he worked his way up to become, I believe, um, the chairman of the National Black Panther Party. So you're getting, working his way up into the National Black Panther Party um, before he was assassinated. I call it assassination mm. by the FBI. Yep. A government agency, cute. Um, but it talks <laughs> about William O'Neill, who was a, basically he was a thief, criminal ass nigga, um and he so the FBI recruited him to be an informant and he infiltrated the Illinois chapter of Black Panther Party mm-hmm. and gathered intelligence on Fred Hampton um which basically led to him being assassinated mm-hmm. um and just fucked up situation all around yeah also Mark Clark was assassinated as well in mm-hmm. that raid so very mm-hmm. dark movie this is a movie, but nothing to nothing to this movie screamed entertainment to me. It was not entertainment for me. It was definitely um, one of those movies that gets you up and ready for action. It really makes you think. And it's what makes the movie so crazy is that this is all a true story. Facts. This is a crazy, dark, terrible story. And it is true from start to finish true. And it's disgusting. So, yeah. Whew. So we're going to get into our review. But I just want to talk about the people who made this movie possible. The director was Shaka Kane. Not Come Shaka on. Shaka Kane. Shaka Kane. Shaka Kane. Yes. Come on. Service. 
cinematography, beautiful cinematography, by the way. Yep. Sean Bobbitt, producers were Shaka well King. His name is King, not Kang, but let me call him King, Shaka King. Um, Ryan Coogler, well, Charles the, King and Seb well, Ohanian. Screenplay mm-hmm. was by Shaka King and Will Burson. Yep. So thank you to those behind the scenes folks. Absolutely. Um, and then cast. Ooh, what a cast. Y'all. Well, come on. <sighs> okay, we'll start with Daniel Kalua, who blew always, he always blows me out the wall. He just always blows me away. But he killed his uh performance of Fred Hampton, the one and only Fred Hampton. Lakeith Stanfield played William Bill O'Neill, um, the FBI former who infiltrated. Jesse Plemons played Roy Mitchell, who was basically O'Neill's handler, his white handler, um, the FBI special agent. Mm-hmm. Hilarious because the last time I saw that white man who played him was in Like Mike with uh, Lil Bow Wow. That's funny to see him play an adult uh, <laughs> role. Yeah. And then Ashton Sanders as Jimmy Palmer, a Black Panther member, killed his role. I like Ashton Sanders ever since Moonlight. Yeah. And then Martin Sheen as Jed Edgar Hoover, who I've always hated. Oh, what a but disgusting he, human being. Yeah. But he, he, he played that. He did. I was like, I have never, all the stuff that I've ever read about Jed, J. Edgar Hoover has been disgusting. And this actor definitely feels child. <laughs> what a disgusting human being. Fuck you. Darrell Britt Gibson as Bobby Rush, who was a mm-hmm. co-founder of the Black Panther Party chapter in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Little Rail Howie had a little cameo as Wayne, an undercover FBI agent. Algie Smith, um, who was also in Euphoria, played Jake Winters, another Black Panther member. Jermaine Fowler as Mark Clark, a Black Panther member. Mm-hmm. Um, was also killed with Fred Hampton in that raid. Yep. And um, Dominique Thorne as Judy. Come on. The real MVP, <laughs> my queen Judy. Mm. Wow, she played Judy Harmon, the most amazing uh woman I've ever seen. Mm. Um, wow, literally, my heart truly out to Miss Judy Harmon. Mm-hmm. And then Dominique Fishback, played, come on, um, dang, Deborah Johnson, yep, was uh Fred Hampton's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Love Dominique Fishback. I stand her so hard yep. so I saw her in this movie as the love interest I said like, well well come on better because come. I always thought that she should have been somebody's love interest in somebody movie because she is I love Dominique Fishback gorgeous so, giving her her flowers mm-hmm. anyway so this cast is stacked this ain't even all the people but these are probably people that y'all would know um so yeah Whew. okay mm-hmm. overall review it was extremely unnerving for me mm, mm. from start to finish. I was unnerved. I was disturbed. I was all the things. It was a very dark movie, but it should have been a very yep. dark movie because we're detailing a very dark piece of history yep. that is blatant racism blatant just fucked upness in general mm-hmm. um yeah it's just such a crazy story to believe i mean if y'all are still living in another world where y'all want to see the truth well. it's crazy to believe, but it's just disgusting to know that something like this happened yeah and 
Ugh. I mean, I research stuff like this all the time. I grew up in the South. I've seen yeah. racist shit my entire life. So it takes a lot to unnerve me at this point. But this movie definitely unnerved the fuck out of me. Um, everything was perfect in the way of portrayals, the story, the tone, the yeah. cinematography. Um, it kind of lets you know, like, this is a serious movie. Like, this is, we're not just here to entertain you. We trying to show you some some real shit. Yep. So I appreciated the seriousness of the movie. Um, it, yeah, uh, there's no other way to tell this story but to be real serious about it because it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a happy ending. It's yeah. really not like, mm-hmm. who fucked up all around. And it's just the fact that everybody really played their part. So, Daniel, uh, Daniel. <laughs> I expected nothing less from right. Daniel. But his portrayal of Fred Hampton, spot on. I mean, chef's kiss. Watch. I mean, kiss. He gained, first of all, he gained a lot of weight to play this part. I've never seen that man that big, but he had every- a belly. He had he, a belly. That belly. I said, who is that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I probably know the scene that you're talking about. I said, who is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's always been a slim little, little cat. Right. So, embodied. Fred of the Hampton. whole world. Come on. <laughs> he, he embodied him. <laughs> Um, but he deserved to be embodied in this mm-hmm. powerful, beautiful light. Lakeith definitely embodied Mr. William Bill O'Neill. I went and watched <sighs> the interview um, that William gave. Oh, that eventually is what made William kill himself, was giving this interview. I went and watched it after wow. I watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, chilling. You could mm. see his eyes. Yeah, so, he wasn't the uh, same. He was not the same. And Lakeith definitely. So after watching the video and kind of seeing William's mannerisms and how he talked, Lakeith bodied that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, like we talked about in the news, I'm sure it was not an easy part to play. Um, so yeah, everyone really did the damn thing in terms of portraying who they needed to portray. Um, and it's just, wow, a very complex, layered movie. So much to unpack here. And so much to unpack with the actual subject matter, the real, what actually happened. There's so much to unpack there. So I'm excited to get into it piece by piece, but overall, um, very powerful movie, but very unnerving, very disturbing. And you're not gonna feel happy. You're not gonna feel good while watching this movie. You're gonna feel, you're gonna feel something, but it's not gonna be happiness. It's not gonna be nothing good. Um, hopefully it moves you to uh, to action in a way. It keeps the momentum going um, in terms of like wanting to, I don't know, make some real change so that shit like this cannot keep happening to us and our leaders and stuff like that. So whew, that's my overall review. What is yeah. your review? Yeah, no, I mean, well said. Like overall review, I think the casting, whoever the casting director is, I'll try and look that up in a little bit, but excellent job like you read the list of people who embodied each character um you know Fred Hampton was beautifully portrayed the mannerisms the um speech inflections like Mm -hmm. Daniel Kaluuya really like did that shit and it was it was masterful to watch honestly when you're looking at actors embodying people masterful um again Lakeith Stanfield, I mean, 
well done. Like he clearly embodied this character. I think um, even though the story didn't focus a lot on the women characters, I loved their work. Um, you mentioned the young lady's name before, Dominique. Well, both Dominique. So Dominique Fishback. Yeah, Dominique Fishback. So you're right. Um, Dominique Fishback um, as Deborah Johnson, as Hampton's girlfriend. Amazing job. Um, and she killed it. She really embodied. There was a part in the movie where basically she she has a realization that while she's a part of the Black Panther Party, she's about to give birth. Like she is she's about to be a mother. So them showing that that sort of a conflict that she had to fight against the system. But she has to protect her her child. And the FBI is not don't give a goddamn. You know what I mean? They'll come after you, especially during this this time. Um, with yeah. law enforcement, <laughs> especially this time. So. Yeah, like that was an amazing, I love the way the directors gave that storyline to her and really understood the kind of what she what she was placing at risk, quite frankly. Um, another breakout star, Dominique Thorne as Judy Harmon. First of all, I could have a whole movie about Judy Harmon because she was no motherfucking joke, okay? <laughs> like she played the hell out of that role. She was no joke. She was there for the Black Panther Party. She was ready to shoot a nigga. Like literally she was ready to shoot a nigga who, who might've been <laughs> like, who might've been an informant because one of my favorite scenes is when um, the director, everybody did such a great job. Actors, even the motherfucking boom operator. Everybody did a good job in this scene because the tension of them suspecting that Lakeith Stanfield's character, Bill O'Neill, being a part of the feds because they had, uh, someone had recognized him when he was uh, stealing cars by pretending to be a, a FBI informant. Lo and behold, he was an FBI informant, but her just having that gun to his head, like, nigga, you better explain yourself immediately or this going, you about to go night, night. That's just period and point blank. And if he didn't spark that little, oh, to turn that car on, he would have, he would have definitely met his maker. And he might, he might not have been okay because until the brother in the back, that was like, uh, how come, how'd you get the key? And then he was quick on his toes to, you know, to come up with something that was satisfying to them. But there was another scene where this, she, she, it was just her and another motherfucker fighting the whole Chicago department. And um, the character Bill O'Neill sure did leave them to save himself. Um, but she held it down and she took them on, child. And she was not afraid. She was going to stand her ground. When we talk about somebody who's standing their ground for the people, I mean, that was, I think that's probably one of the breakout stars in this film, Dominique Thorne as Judy Harmon. Like, I mean, so good. Um, check that out. The acting again was great. Um, just like Corey said, like, yeah, this was a dark film. It was, a, it was, it, 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 it's one of those stories. I'm glad they portrayed it. Cause I know a lot of time there, you know, we get tired of, um, what is it? Black pain, black, you know, all this sort of, you know, black grievances only being displayed. And the only thing that, you know, Oscars love, they love a, like a, a black, uh, sad story but like 
I think it's important what you were saying before that this is dark, it's heavy. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, make sure you, whatever you need to do to like protect yourself. I know for me, it was hard for me to watch. So I was, I, I told myself I'm going to watch during the daytime. I'm going to be cooking while I watch it. You know what I mean? I needed, I needed that added sort of distraction because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Um, so wherever you are, just, you know, pr protect yourself in that. Um, yeah, overall, it was great. It was shot well. The The pacing was well. The casting was like fucking amazing. They did a great job. I actually want some of those outfits that they had. Um, they're, you know, costume design well done, um, you know, um, and they used every character, I think, well everyone played a role and you could see it and they did a great job of showing the layering of the fbi surveillance and infiltrating these communities they did a well like they did a well job of explaining a very layered sad circumstance but the 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 layers of it all i think they did a great job of of showing the whole story you know what i mean even making lakeith stanfield's character human you know for me you know i looked at him like all right you snitching ass nigga yes but they showed like he was a desperate person <laughs> he the reason he didn't have access to things he was still he was pretending to be an informant to steal cars right so he was essentially running a scam right got caught and instead of doing jail time, he was like, yo, I can give you this money. They were giving him all this stuff. And that's how he was making his way out until it caught up with them, you know? And I didn't even know, like you were saying, like he was, he killed himself. Um, is that how he, he passed away? So I was just like, damn, you know, like, and I'm not surprised, you know? It's yeah, it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And also piggybacking off of that, I mean, I'm going to be real. I do not stand with Mr. Bill O'Neill. Mm -hmm. While I do empathize, emphasize, 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 whatever. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I empathize with him. Yeah. Um, it's just that type of stuff. You just, you just don't do that. Yep. Uh, it was just very selfish on his part. I mean, oh, yeah. you, know, you killed oh, yeah. man and killed and killed Mark Clark as well. And you did all this so you could get sit like, so you don't have to go to jail for six years. Like it's six years, dude. Like, come on, like you're setting people back and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, if you, if you look at the whole picture, I mean, mm -hmm. everyone was played by the FBI in the end and it's, it's really the FBI's fault. So mm -hmm. y'all listening, y'all listening, <laughs> fuck y'all, <laughs> don't come for me though, I can fight, but, um, child, you can't even get those people who stormed the Capitol, really, I know they're listening though, like they're definitely listening to this conversation, like FBI, y'all got work to do, go ahead and find them motherfuckers, <laughs> but, um, yeah, what kills me though in real life was that Bill O'Neill mm -hmm. was actually 17 when all this was happening, so a lot of people don't know that he was a teenager wow so, yeah he was definitely he was 17 when all this was happening so Woo! very young but still like you have to oh my god everyone has that gut feeling like some shit is wrong like this is not okay for me to do but empathizing with him he was a kid basically i didn't know it was a kid that's wild desperate so but still i mean ugh, just just not okay yeah that's um, probably why he's gonna live with it yeah 
he, <laughs> yeah, he lived his whole life knowing that he did that and obviously cannot handle it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to handle it either. If I That's... was, if I were to ever do some shit like that, I would, I wouldn't have even lived as long as Child, I <laughs> please. Um, cause the guilt would have got my ass, would have got my mind quick. Quick as fuck. Um, which shows that maybe he didn't have as much remorse as you know we try to give him. Man. He probably didn't have as much remorse. Oh, anyways. And also Fred Hampton was only 21 when he was mm. these people These were babies. Young. They were young, which is adds even more sad layers to the story but anyway starting with story mm-hmm. um my comments on story um i liked the way that was written i liked um the way that it flowed sometimes it felt like we were going all over the place but i don't even give a fuck it was to me i cherished every second um of the movie i do I do wish that it did feel like it was, we were looking at from the perspective of Bill O'Neill and we shouldn't have been. Mm. We should have been looking at it from the perspective of Fred Hampton. But I guess if you want to get the story of Bill infiltrating uh, the Black Panther Party and essentially getting Fred and Mark killed, you have to look at it from his lens. But a part of me wishes that it would have been more from Fred Hampton's lens because Fred Hampton is the real hero in this story. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a uh, Bill was definitely the protagonist in the story, mm. and Fred did have his own moments that were just from his POV. So, like the moments of him and Deborah, which is his girlfriend, them kind of connecting and stuff like that. Um, he did have little pieces, but to me, it wasn't enough in terms of story mm-hmm. um but that's just me with my own little feelings how i feel about bill um <laughs> you know but mm-hmm. yeah other than that i like the story i felt that um yeah people were highlighted um and it flowed well enough for me like i never mm-hmm. felt confused about anything yeah and uh it definitely built up the tension, the tension, too. It was definitely a buildup, and you can feel it. It was just getting more and more. You could feel the desperation getting more and more uh, prevalent. The stakes were getting more and more higher for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they were able to kind of include that in the story, in the script, in the writing, the pacing, um, because yeah, everything did culminate into this very devastating moment um, of assassination. Mm-hmm just fucked up shit so yeah i appreciate that about the story and i also liked in the end how after the credits rolled they put a clip of the real interview with yes so you guys could see who he was and um also they kind of put those little tidbits of like everything that happened after after that incident so that was to it and usually like movies are historical movies they only put a little bit of one paragraph about what happened these people put five six ten mm-hmm. paragraphs on things like, oh my god what happened what happened, what happened? Mm-hmm. and it's good because while this is like a movie this is also a historical uh teaching moment where they're mm-hmm. teaching you about this crazy uh moment in history that we yeah. should know as black folks mm-hmm. so yeah i appreciate all of that mm-hmm. definitely appreciate all of that 
and loved the archival footage in the beginning as well. So now I'm just yes, yes. Loved that archival footage in the beginning. It was very like to me, Spike Lee S. Spike Lee does stuff like that sometimes in the beginning mm-hmm. of his movies, and I always appreciated that. Yep. I love a good archival montage. Um, definitely in the beginning it was good because it sets you up for what you were what you were gonna yep. do and lets you know like, hey, this is about to be some real shit. Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself. So that was good. I don't know if that goes in story or directing. Either way, it was good. Yep. What do you think about story? Yeah, yeah. I think they they use, like you said, a lot of different techniques, but it didn't. It still felt like a you know same tone over everything. So they did a great job with the montage at the beginning and the end, like you said. Uh, well, the beginning and then at the end, they explained um, characters and where they you know what happened to them. Um, so yeah, anytime you put a montage with jazz on it, I always think about Spike Lee. I'm like, wait, yeah, that's Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> random jazz album underneath. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but it was really powerful. It did a great job of setting the tone. Again, this was, you know, there were assassinations of activist leaders across the nation. It was in racial, you know, upheaval where, you know, civil rights era, people are fighting for their shit. And the Black Panther Party, while the civil rights movement was going in a non-violent way, the Black Panther uh, Party, um, you know, believed in protection for sure. Um enemies yep and it was also very interesting um how they well first of all I learned you know that they like Fred Hampton brought everybody like he made a rainbow coalition of people um so they were still smart and strategic in what they were trying to do for the community, particularly in Chicago. So I thought that was very smart. And, you know, I learned something new um, regarding his story and how, you know, how it ended up. Um, I think they did a good job of making sure they use all their characters uh, wisely and making sure that everyone had their moments. Um, And I also very much felt the the infiltration and the surveillance you know what I mean they portrayed that but you could feel it like you could just feel being watched you can feel like you know what I mean like you're a target it's a crazy thing to feel like that and there was even a um a moment where Fred Hampton went to this local organization or gang the crowns and there was a moment he was talking to the leader of the crowns and he he was like reading basically accusing Fred Hampton of saying these awful things about the crowns, which was actually written by the FBI to pin them against each other. And so Fred Hampton mentioned that. He was like, oh, these are the pigs. They're trying to put us against each other. And then he said, well, you know, he he reminded him like what they did to Malcolm and, and Martin. He was like, well, what happened to them? And he was like, yeah, they died, but they died for we're all gonna die but are we gonna die fighting for our people <laughs> like are we gonna die right you know for sure for what we're doing you know what I mean so that was a really like powerful moment that I think actually brought the crowns over um to be united and try and create this sort of coalition for them so I, I thought in terms of story they really um highlighted like the feeling of being surveilled, the feeling of understanding that people are dying, you know, because of what you're doing and still being committed to the cause uh, till death, you know, which is the ultimate price to pay. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have paid that. Um, so I think they did a good job of 
I just felt so severe. I don't know. Maybe it was just me and in my mind, but we saw what the FBI was doing. Even um, the one of the FBI agents, the one that was talking to Lakeith, Car- uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, he was learning that the FBI had several informants in the Black Panther Party. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't just his informant. So the very fact that, you know, and even portraying Lakeith's sort of... Uh, paranoia right how he was you know getting paranoid everywhere but he needed to be because he was he was the snitch and people were looking for the snitch and there were moments when you think you're the only one but other people are the ones you know snitching and and telling too so you can't just feel comfortable like you're not in danger like nah like you're in danger my dude (laughs) like because if they find out you're dead and you're already you're already in an awful place working with the FBI who's planning on murdering, you know, your brothers and sisters. So yeah, I think with the cinematography and the storytelling, they did a great job of portraying like that tension that was building up because of the infiltration from the FBI, again, going into the, into that um, organization, the Black Panthers and targeting the leader so that, you know, they could have control and oppress like they usually do, you know, how white supremacy does. Um, so yeah, so I think again with story, they did a good job. Yeah, I totally agree. And I loved how the story and the writing made sure that they really highlighted the fact that the FBI was the one at fault and from all angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made sure that they showed that the FBI was playing Bill, the FBI was playing Black Panthers, the FBI yep. was the person you should be pointing the fingers at this this uh government institution that's supposed to be law enforcement they're the ones who kind of created this whole mess and one scene that i think that was really pivotal and really bringing that point home was the scene where so uh roy mitchell which was bill's handler his fbi agent Mm -hmm. the white dude with the the ginger and um he was telling Bill about how there was already an informant in the Black Panther Party who killed another, or there was an informant who was killed, basically. And that's what made Bill start to become really paranoid and really scared because he didn't want that to happen to him. Um, and then when, um, so Roy Mitchell was thinking he got some little information. He went to his supervisor ever, and the captain already knew that because he was like, yeah, we have multiple informants. And then he found out, he proceeded to find out that that informant was killed by another informant in the Black Panther Party. So it's just showing you just the dirty levels of just nastiness and um, messed up stuff that the FBI was doing to get whatever they were trying to get. Like they have nothing to get. Um, And also, this is a super side note, why didn't go this hard for the KKK? Like, why did they not go this hard for the KKK? That part. Y'all did all this to infiltrate Black extremist groups who are terrorists, but I ain't hit. Why are there no stories about y'all going this hard for the KKK? Because the KKK is the FBI. Anyways, that's another topic. But anyways, so mm-hmm. how in the story, they made sure to highlight the fact that adding these different scenes of showing just how devious the FBI was actually being mm-hmm. um, and really their role in all of this. Yep. So shout out to the story for kind of bringing that to light. So I don't think a lot of, 
I mean, I'm sure now a lot more people know, but right. now there's even more people that know and they can actually begin to expand their minds and say, well, damn, maybe these government institutions do be doing fucked up shit. So, um, well, yeah, there's still a lot of people who believe like the FBI is like, oh my God, such good people. Yeah, they, they claim, but they've been doing fucked up shit for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of character, mm-hmm. my thoughts, we've already spoken about this yeah. about how we loved um, the casting. Everyone was portrayed perfectly. Yep. So everyone was very serious about their roles. Um, if they were portraying a real person or not, because I do know some of the people were fictional. I think Judy Harmon was actually a fictional character. So oh. glad they added her. I'm so happy. He's staying. Child. I thought she was a historical figure. I was about to be like, come on. Where's that? I think she was not a real person in real Mm -hmm. life. Okay. Shout out to the writers for knowing that they had her in there because that's she was amazing. And that's what you call good writing, knowing where there's a hole that you need to fill with an amazing character like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do wish there's one thing that I do wish I did mention earlier how mm-hmm. young everyone really was. Yeah. And that is such an important piece that I think was missed. The yeah. fact that Bill was only 17, he was a child. And the fact that um uh Fred Hampton was only 21, like I think that that should have been I agree or uh amplified in the movie. I mean, obviously yeah. I wouldn't have chosen any other actors to play them. True. But I mean, these people don't, Keith don't look 17. No, nah, they all look like they was in their 30s, child. I was like, Daniel <laughs> don't damn near look no 21. And if if they knew they was going to pick these actors, they should have at least highlighted the fact that these people are so young because to yeah. me, that's such an important piece that uh, adds different layers to this whole I situation, agree. in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just makes the situation more crazy and more sad. Yeah. It would have really like, gut punched everything knowing that fred was only killed at 21 and that william bill did all of this at as a 17 year old kid like you know trying to trying to skip out on going to jail for six years so yeah i definitely think that in terms of character maybe there's a reason why they did it i don't know but i personally would have liked to know i would have liked to seen or at least hear that these people were as young as they were because it, mm-hmm. adds, it adds so much more uh just heart heart uh it just breaks my heart more to know how young these people were like it makes it so much sadder for me yeah um, but what did you think about character yeah no I agree with you I think the characters are great um yeah I well once you said that that they were young I was like oh okay like yeah definitely it it gives a a certain perspective when you see it from that angle because you know I mean unfortunately the more things change the more things stay the same like they were killing babies honestly (laughs) like they were killing they were killing babies and you know it's unfortunate that it kind of still kind of mirrors what, you know, what a lot of us are still fighting against today, which is the shitty part. So yeah, I would have, I would have liked to seen um, a, a portrayal or maybe, I don't know if they, not the CGI. I always think that's weird when they make old characters look younger. It's like, just, it's that. fine. <laughs> just no. Um, so my only guess is that they probably had these big names attached and they went with it, um, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, that, a note or highlighting the fact like even at the end like Fred Hampton passed away at 21 <laughs> like what like that would have been like child what um so exactly. yeah 
sure. Yeah, very, very impactful. So yeah, I think with characters, they did a great job and I'm so glad they added uh, that character that um, you spoke about that was like, so, 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 so dope. <laughs> Hitta for real. She killed my it. Hitta, my Hitta. okay. Yeah, Judy Harmon um, played by Dominique Thorne. Yeah, that was crazy. She did I, such a great job. I stand. Yep. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then we already talked about tone. Mm-hmm. Tone was perfect. Yep. Very dark, very gritty, but very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they everything they probably didn't portray everything the way that it happened in real life. Mm-hmm. It's still, they got dramatize it. Yeah. But still, I think the tone was perfect for Absolutely. what we were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And it didn't need to be any other way. Usually, I'll be like, "Dang, that was too dark." But like I said before, this wow. needed to be as dark as it was. Mm-hmm. It was not supposed to be a fun he giggity giggity. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's supposed to be a movie that made you upset and really brought to light just all of the injustice i mean just a piece of the injustices a piece i've been through okay yeah. just a teeny piece child mm-hmm. <laughs> um other people's getting assassinated around this time too martin luther king yep uh, malcolm x so mm-hmm. it's just like they was wiping all our leaves out child they said mm-hmm. you gotta go you gotta go you gotta go because yeah. you're too much and you're making people think and we don't like that period um, mm-hmm. so very disgusting and mm-hmm. then uh do you have any notes other notes on tone yeah i mean i think i think they had some moments of levity you know um it was nice to see the love story that developed between uh you know fred hampton and his girlfriend and you know they shared a love of words and you know understanding how to orate and um use that so i thought that was that was pretty good um i also think um even some of the moments where it was like where they were portraying the paranoia of uh uh William mm-hmm. O'Neill. I thought that was interesting. Um, that's still kind of dark in a sense that what you were saying, but uh, it kind of gave a sort of different tone to uh, what we were we were um, looking at. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it was dark. Um, some, not a lot, you know, some points of levity. Um, and also that speech that Fred Hampton gave was amazing. Daniel Kaluuya, there was, a, I mean, that's, that's the clip that they're going to play at the Oscars where he is addressing this crowd and it was super, super like so good. Um, so there were some moments of triumph, of course, lots of tragedy. Um, so yeah, with that, yeah, you're spot on with tone, you know, it was meant to <laughs> be as realistic as possible, as painful as the, the trials that they experienced. So you felt that for sure in this movie. Yes, very unnerving as mm. it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pace, we talked about Pace. Yeah. I was hooked beginning to end. Yeah. I thought that they hit the ground running. Yeah. Um, from the beginning, there was no like building up super slow until we get to like the inciting yeah. incident. I feel like the inciting incident happened immediately. So um, <laughs> him pretending to be the officer and trying to steal the car so that's right um yeah i thought pacing was good there was mm-hmm. enough like action i think to mm-hmm. keep, keep my eyes peeled because yeah like said, y'all know me i be doing all types of stuff so i was definitely tuned in uh most of the time yeah no the pace was great and the only thing i i can really add is that there was no wasted scene um mm-hmm. 
they're, they're really, every scene was meant to sort of show you each layered part of the story. Um, and they, it felt well done. Um, I'm trying to, how long was this movie? About two hours. Yeah, it was about two hours. So it, to me, it didn't feel like it, but it's because you're going along they did great with the pacing of what you're watching, what you're seeing, you know, the compelling shots, like you said, the action shot, the showdown with the cops and, you know, the Black Panther building, um, all of it, honestly, all of it. Um, so yeah, pacing well done. Very well done. Mm -hmm. And if you guys, this is a side note, if you guys want to watch the interview with uh, Bill O'Neill, he did right before he, mm -hmm. uh, died it's on youtube so i literally yep. just google i just like googled i searched uh william o'neill and it's the mm -hmm. first thing that comes up yep. it's actually a decent docu-series or documentary talking yep. about all that stuff so Quintel pro fbi how they were infiltrating and mm -hmm. how they got to the point of where they decided that the black panthers were a threat and that fred hampton was a threat and all that stuff so yep Cool. I think that if you watch the movie and it really connected with you the way that it should, you should definitely watch that interview. Yeah, so I think it's called Eyes on the Prize. Eyes on I the think. Prize. Yeah. So that you could see, you know, the, the piece of the interview that they played at the end, you could see William O'Neill talking about what he did. And mm. he's just talking about it as if, oof, you just have to watch it. So look at his eyes too, y'all. Look at his eyes. His Child. eyes are There's a point where he, yeah. Mm, you just gotta watch it but um yeah so overall definitely a movie I think that y'all should watch mm -hmm. even if y'all don't like dark movies like this I know y'all getting tired <laughs> of the black trauma mm -hmm. I know I feel it mm -hmm. but it's definitely something I think that you should watch at least so that we can you know uh, raise awareness for at least Fred Hampton because a lot of people actually don't know who yeah. he was so I definitely think he should be celebrated for what he did and mm -hmm. uh, can celebrate what he was able to do before he was assassinated by mm -hmm. the police yep so um yeah definitely give it a whirl get your HBO Max figure out how to get do it. it um because whew, while it is a very taxing movie it is super important i think for everyone to at least watch once you ain't gotta watch it multiple times just watch it once um whew, because it is so important as so good yep i agree go watch it it's well worth it uh, me who's a fraidy cat everything stresses me out Chad. but um it was worth it. And you can find a way to watch it. Again, I made parameters for myself. I'm like, I'm only watching this during the daytime. <laughs> I am watching this while I cook something else. Even when I rewatched it, I was watching it while I was taking, you know, notes to, you know, to prepare for the podcast. But yeah, other than that, yeah, do it, do what you can. It's definitely worth the watch and watch it while taking care of yourself because it's real. And um, yeah, the biggest thing, of course, I took away is the fact that yeah, the more things change, the more things stay the same. It seems like, you know, so we got to continue. Um, we got to continue fighting and, and building each other up as a community point blank period. And um, seeing how what's going on isn't too far off. Uh, we've come a long way, I guess, but I don't know what I'm seeing out there right now is too much of a reminder. So let's remember to lift each other up and do what we need to do to be free. <laughs> so I know that's right, sister girl. <laughs> I know that is right. <laughs> Do tis that is 
very true. Hopefully this inspires mm-hmm. you to get out there, mm-hmm. more art that highlights and uh, encourages and mm-hmm. us as a people because who child, we, yeah, it's, it's still happening today. We have a lot, child, who knows if we'll ever overcome <laughs> all of the bullshit. <sighs> we can keep fighting and trying. So um, yeah, definitely give the world and hopefully it inspires you to keep the fight going. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and with that, shout out to Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. And uh, we'll be right back with our last segment. Hey y'all, we are back with our last segment. Yeah. Hello. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't know, and if you're new, first of all, thank you for uh staying with us with this review all the way to the end. Our last mm-hmm. segment is niggas you should know, uh, mm-hmm. where we highlight basically um black and brown creators, actors, directors, uh, writers, whatever, uh, costume designers. We highlight them who we think we should give a shout out to. Um, this week we're keeping it with the Judas and the Black Messiah thing. Theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the nigga you should know this week is Dominique Fishback. She played Fred Hampton's girlfriend in the movie. Um, she is an American actress and playwright, and she's best known for playing Billy Rowan on Show Me a Hero and Darlene on The Deuce. Um, I know her, um, well, recently the latest project well the latest project of course is Judas and the Black Messiah but um she had a movie on Netflix with Jamie Foxx and it was called Project Power and yeah she played a teenager who realizes she has these powers um through selling these drugs or whatever and Jamie Foxx was um in there trying to look for them and look for his daughter so their 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 worlds uh cross paths um she graduated uh from Pace University with a BA in theater in 2013. Oh, that feels like yesterday. Um, <laughs> she had um, some theater background. She premiered her off-off-Broadway play, Subverted, where she played 22 characters. Um, and Subverted was nominated for a 2015 Innovative Theater Award for Outstanding Solo Performance. So she's she wasn't playing with you. She was like, once I graduate, I'm going to make my motherfucking play. So she is the goat. She's not playing with you. Host. So then in 2016, wow. uh, the company announced, uh, well, the Abaddon Theater Company announced that Fishback was one of its recipients for its inaugural residency program. So after she graduated, she went on and created her own stuff and studied her craft even more. Um, yeah, the actress first major reoccurring role was in the Yonkers housing drama, Show Me a Hero as single mother, Billy Rowan. Um, yeah. And then, um, there was an HBO, uh, uh, drama called The Deuce she was That's in. Yep. Yep. And her first film in, um, Night Comes On premiered at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival. So um, she also played Kenya in the film The Hate You Give in 2018, which is based on the popular uh, young adult book. Um, And yeah, Fishback appeared as a younger version of Jay-Z's mother, Gloria Carter, in the music video for Smile. So she's been booked and busy. And honestly, she's 
just beginning clearly like my god <laughs> like mm-hmm. that i mean i said a lot because she's done a lot in the lord like the short amount of time but the trajectory i'm like oh she's she's yeah she, she's here to stay on you almost like oh, yeah. she's, she's not playing with you okay. yeah no 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 so yes, um, the nigga you should definitely know this week, Dominique Fishback. Uh, she's brilliant. Um, she's badass, and I cannot wait to see what else um, she has in store for us in her career. And that's just period. Period. Blunt plank. Mm-hmm. A shout out to my sis, Dominique mm-hmm. Fishback. I've been a fan since the Deuce mm. on HBO. Um, she killed that. Mm. Um, but yeah, shout out to her. We are mm-hmm. so happy see what she does next mm-hmm. so my name that you should know is shaka king not king <laughs> um <laughs> he was the director slash writer slash producer for jews and the black messiah mm-hmm. what a name love mm. it shaka king um so he's from bedford bedsty whatever the fuck they call it <laughs> in brooklyn yes, bedford so okay so it looks like he is Panamanian and Barbara. Okay. Okay. Afro-Caribbean. All that. So he took his first film production course at Vassar College. And then after that, he practiced screenwriting while working as a youth counselor and tutor. 2007, he entered a graduate film program at New York University Tisch School of the Arts. Um, And his MFA thesis project resulted in his first feature film, which is called Newly Weeds. Um, which is the stoner comedy. So nice, <laughs> nice. So very, uh, he shifted a lot mm-hmm. uh, from uh, his first film to now. Uh, so Newly Weeds premiered at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival, and then he had another film, um, which was in 2015, which is called Mullingans, whatever. And then 2017, he did a short film called. Lazarism, which starred Lakeith Stanfield, mm. and of a world in which white people suffer from racist glaucoma, mm. which is a disease that prevents them from being aware of their black fellow citizens, which they already have that now. So, um, mm. interesting. <laughs> mm. I would like to see that short film. Yeah, uh, me too. So, yeah, he's worked with Lakeith before. Shout mm-hmm. out to that. And then now we have his second feature film, which is obviously Juice and the Black Messiah um a amazing piece of art so good amazing amazing piece of art so uh he's very i would say he's super new to the scene but he's already making waves and we are so excited to see what mr shaka king does next okay definitely be looking out for him because after this they're gonna be calling on my on my guy for everything oh absolutely please i know I know you're working on something right now. They're taking this temperature and everything. They're like, okay, exactly. I was doing it. <laughs> I think it's uh, doing, having a career like Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Oh my gosh. Fruitvale Station was like Ryan Coogler's thing that yep. pulled him. So this is definitely propelling Mr. Shaka King because this yeah. is amazing. So yeah. very excited to see where he goes from here. Yeah. Shaka King. Shaka King. Shaka King. Shaka King. Mm. Hey, mm. hey. Mm. <laughs> all right and with that yes right into the show y'all already know what it is 
follow us on the socials at the town t on instagram mm-hmm. facebook what's the other one twitter twitter mm-hmm. um leave likes reviews whatever do all the teams make sure you engage mm-hmm. and uh, thank you for listening hope you yes. check out the film if you already haven't hope that you or oh, spoiler huh but hope <laughs> yeah yes thank you guys for rocking with us again in the new year we appreciate it yeah and with that we will see y'all next time take care peace bye